we're going to jump straight into the Word. Uh, we'll be in Jonah chapter 1. This is my favorite uh, book of the Bible and chapter uh, in Scripture. And it'll be on the screens behind me. If you've got uh, a digital Bible, you can go ahead and turn there as well. Uh, we'll start in verse 1. It says, the Word of the Lord. Turn to the person next to you and say, the Word. This is the Word. It is not changing. Came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and it said, go to the great city of Nineveh. And preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. Everybody say Tarshish. It's like a, it's like a cuss word from SpongeBob, you know, <laughs> Tarshish. He went down for Joppa, where he found the ship that was bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and they cried out to their own God, and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone beneath the deck where he had laid down and fell into a deep sleep. And uh, said that the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God, and maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, they're kind of scared. They said, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for all of this. And they cast lots and it fell on Jonah. And they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where are you from? They're trying to figure out what is going on. And he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and they asked him, what should we do to make it grow calm? And this is what happens. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will grow calm. And so obviously they disobey again. And they decide to start rowing back to land. That wasn't working, and, and the, it, the storm got a little bit more crazy. And uh, they end up picking up Jonah. And you probably have heard this if you grew up in, like, Sunday school. Uh, and this is the story of the whale. And uh, modern-day Uber just comes and picks him up, okay, and takes him back to the place that God had called him to go. And for three days and for three nights, I, can you just imagine, just for use your imagination for a second, being in the belly of a fish for that long. And he went back to Nineveh. The fish spits him out up on land. And then he then gets called again. I love this, that God is so faithful that if he called you the first time and you ran, he'll, he can call you again. And he goes and he is kind of arrogant. He kind of goes his own way, but he goes to Nineveh and he begins to preach against the city doing what God calls him to do. And uh, we're going to lean into this text this morning, and I believe that God is going to encourage all of us to get a little uncomfortable. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to get uncomfortable, okay? And they're probably like, I'm uncomfortable because I'm sitting next to you, <laughs> all right? I'm going to pray and ask that God would uh, speak to us. So let's pray. God, we love you. And I thank you for today. I thank you for every person that's here with us. God, would you speak to us today as we open your word? God, would you speak through me in Jesus' name? Everybody said amen. Amen. Well, hey, if I have not personally had a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Seth. 
Tomboli. That is not a pasta. That is my last name, okay? And my wife is Kendra. She's not here with me today. She's actually at home. Um, she is packing up the kitchen as we speak, okay, which is like the worst part of packing. There is boxes all through our house, and uh, by God's grace, our house sold like miraculously last week. Somebody just showed up and bought our house, okay, so that was awesome, and we were planning on getting here in February. God said, beginning of December, you will be in Fayetteville, so here we are, and uh, we'll be moving officially on the 6th of December, and my son, Zane, we have two kids, Zane and Haven, um, and anyone with young kids knows that it's kind of a crazy season with, with youngins running around. But Zane thinks our house is a theme park right now because there's boxes everywhere, okay? And if you have kids, you know that they love the box more than the toy. And so there's just big boxes. So we, sometimes we can't find them. He's just in boxes in the house. And uh, earlier I checked my phone before first service and Kendra had texted me. And she said, you need to pray for your son. Um, he has unloaded a whole bottle of wrinkle release spray on your sister. She's four months old, by the way. And so she won't be wrinkly ever in her life, and it's going to be great. So um, real quick, if you would throw our numbers up here. This is uh, my cell and Kendra, my wife's cell. Um, fellas, if, if you want to grab some coffee, we'll be in town next weekend. And ladies, if you want to reach out to my wife, we would love to get to know you guys. If you need anything, um, we can't do everything, but we do want to know who the best cooks are, okay? And so, and we also want to know who cannot cook as well. So um, don't try to sell us anything. We're not signing up for pyramid schemes, and we will buy Girl Scout cookies if you want to sell those. So uh, just, just please shoot us a text with your info. And if you have any complaints about the church, send them to G. Matsuyama, um, Garrett at New Life Church, and he could field those for you. So t- t- today's title of the message is It's Time to Get Uncomfortable. It's time to get uncomfortable. Uh, real quick, who has been to the Grand Canyon before? We kind of wave. Wow, there's a lot of you. Um, I, I went on a trip uh, a couple years ago with one of my good friends. He was one of my pastors, uh, Chris O., and uh, he pastored at GLR. He's an amazing man of God. And we would go on these trips, and we took the first trip I ever went on with Chris. We went uh, to the Smoky Mountains, and we had three full-size bears get into our rental vehicle, okay? I can't go into detail. If you don't believe me, I will show you pictures after this. And if you could have been a fly on the wall when we went back to Enterprise, (laughs) and they were like, what happened to the car? I'm like, bears. (laughs) There were three bears in the car, and they were like, I don't believe you. I sent the pictures to corporate. They had a good time. And uh, so going into the Grand Canyon, I was like, the possibilities are endless. You know, what's going to happen this time? And so we get to the top of the Grand Canyon, and I had not physically prepared my body for what was about to happen. So we were going to stay two or three nights in the canyon. We were carrying our food and everything on our back. And uh, so I go into the porta potty, and I'll, I'll save you some details, but at the top of the canyon, and I'm, I start to Google facts about the Grand Canyon. And so I'm overcoming two fears in one day using the, the bathroom in public and about to, you know, potentially fall to my death. And so I was in there Googling, and this is what I found. The first thing, there is no phone signal in the Grand Canyon, okay? And if you've been there, you probably know what I'm talking about. So I'm like, sweet, if we die, no one's going to know about it, okay? The next thing said, 20 people die every year in the Grand Canyon. I was like, awesome, this is super encouraging. The next fact said it costs $50,000 minimum to be rescued via helicopter in the canyon. And the next one said there is 1,100, in 2017, there was 1,127 medical rescue attempts. Now, 
the word attempts really stood out to me, okay? Um, because that meant that some of those were not successful. And so I'm like, in, I'm in this porta potty and I'm like, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have came. And so we, we go all the way down. We're like filtering our water and, and we were living, we were like sleeping in these tents and, and mice got into our bags one night, ate all my buddy's snacks. And it, I was a little bit uncomfortable. It was a little bit different than sleeping in my bed at night. Do I have any outdoors men, outdoors women in here? Okay, so y'all are probably judging me. Just bear with me, all right? And so I, I was uncomfortable, but the most uncomfortable part was coming out of the canyon because it's way different to walk downhill <laughs> than to walk uphill. And so we go out of the canyon. We get to the top. I've never been more excited to see a Subaru in my entire life. That little Subaru was parked, and I was like, praise God. We got back to the Airbnb. I had dibs on the shower. I run in there, and I'm not a worship leader, but I was leading worship in the shower that day. And I was, you know, like if you have siblings, multiple siblings, you know, like you call dibs, like you call shotgun, you call dibs on the shower. And so I'm in there, hot water. I'm like, first shower in several days, and I'm like, I once was lost, but now I am I once was blind, but now I can, and I was like, I was cold, but now your Holy Spirit is warming me, okay? Like, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't leading worship, but I was having a moment with God, and I was just thankful because I was not uncomfortable anymore. I had access to Taco Bell. Can I get an amen, okay? Double, sp double stuffed burrito, okay? Cheesy potatoes. I, I had access to pizza. I had access to Starbucks, and I'm like, this is it. This is great, and I was comfortable and, and that's all that mattered. And this is what I know about living for God for the last 10 years is we so often take that same approach into our relationship with God. This is what we say. We may not intentionally do it, but this is what we do. God, I'll do anything you want me to do, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. I asked the worship team earlier, I was like, how many of y'all own a Snuggie? And everybody was laughing. I was like, we're gonna get some new life Snuggies and they'll be available in the foyer because we get a little bit too comfy. And I just want to ask you this morning, if you were to be honest with yourself, and if you were to really lean into this this morning, what is it that God is asking you to do to step out in faith that may require you to get uncomfortable? I turned and uh, I was uh, looking up things that uh, are the most searched on Google after Thanksgiving. Y'all check this out. It says, why do we eat turkey on Thanksgiving? Okay, I was looking at this last night. The next one says, how, how do I lose weight quickly? <laughs> and then it said, why is Black Friday called Black Friday? Then it was like, what are nice ways to ask people to leave my house? <laughs> and then this one, it said, what are the closest liquor stores? That was just in Fayetteville. I was like, man, okay, we got a lot to pray about here in Fayetteville. So a little bit of context here, because this is what you need to know is that if the enemy can't destroy your, your calling by sin, then he'll completely delay it by comfort. Because it's, it's when we're in sin that we know that we're running from God, but when we are just comfortable, we kind of think sometimes we're right in the will of God. And so I want to challenge your thinking on that. Jonah was a prophet. And so God would speak to him and he would speak to the people. And he, there was a lot of pressure on Jonah because he's like, man, you got to get it right. And so he uh, gets called to a place called Nineveh. He flees 2,500 miles away to a place called Tarshish. But he gets on a boat at a place called Joppa. Everybody say Joppa. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to get a Joppa. Okay, I'm just kidding. That's not the same word. Joppa was a place of comfort. It was where boats would come in and they would exchange goods and do a lot of merchandise trading. And it was a very wealthy and comfortable place. Now, Nineveh 
was as, about as far as you could go away from Tarshish where he fled to. So I just want to give you a visual. Over here is Nineveh. This is a place where God is calling Jonah to go. This was his purpose. So when I refer to it today, I want you, when you hear Nineveh, I want you to think about your purpose, what God is leading you to do. And this is going to require you to get a little uncomfortable because Nineveh was the Assyrian capital of the world. These people were barbaric. When they would go into a town, they, would, they would not only would kill all the people, but they would make pyramids of heads just to show that they were there. And then you've got a place all the way, the furthest place you could go, and it's called Tarshish. Everybody say Tarshish. It's just a fun word, okay? Tarshish was the place that he was fleeing to. The word Tarshish actually means contemplation. And so Jonah was running from God, and he was contemplating. And maybe you've been here before where you're like, God, I, I think that you want me to do this. Has anybody, it's like, I don't know if that's indigestion or if that's God. You know, is that, is that gas? Like, I don't know. It's, it's like I kind of feel like I'm supposed to do this, but we go to a place of contemplation. And we run from the things of God. And then you've got the place right in the middle. This is where Jonah gets on the boat. He gets picked up and he, he pays the fare and the sailors pick him up. And this is called Joppa. And Joppa is a place of comfort. And this is what I believe is true is that so often a lot of believers will find themselves here. It's, we don't intentionally do it though. Nobody wakes up in the morning. They're like, I'm gonna be just comfy today. <laughs> but what happens is, we start getting a little stagnant. We draw a circle around ourselves and we say, I'll do anything inside this circle, but anything that requires me to get uncomfortable, I don't want to do it. And so Jonah is obedient after being disobedient. And, and I've got two questions. I want you to write these down. It's a very simple message today. Two important questions. What is your Nineveh and what is your Tarshish? Everybody has a Nineveh. Everybody has a place that God is leading you to go. And what is your Tarshish? Everybody has the place that they run to that they probably should be running from. And the first point is this, is that God's call on, on your life is not always comfy. God's call is not always comfy. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a little awkward. Do I got any other awkward people in the room? Okay, yeah, my brothers and sisters, okay. I do things that make people a little uncomfortable sometimes. Like yesterday, I was in Onyx uh, in Fayetteville. I was just enjoying a cup of coffee, and I get my coffee. I had one job. It was just make it back to the table without dumping it, okay? I get to the table. I don't know what happened. It's like I lost control of my hands, and I dumped that entire cup of coffee on my computer, okay? So I'm like draining my computer. Everybody's looking at me and judging me, and I'm just like, hey, welcome to Fayetteville, you know? <laughs> and I, so then last week, my wife and I, we come into uh, the foyer, and I uh, already kind of felt a little nervous, you know, I'm like, man, people are probably like new kids on the block, you know, like, look at these guys, and we come in, I'm carrying my son, and she's pushing our daughter in the stroller, and y'all know when your baby's asleep, and anybody that wakes your, your kid up, it's like, yeah, they're definitely going to hell, um, and so uh, we are walking in, and I'm kidding, and I'm like, man, we got to keep our baby asleep, and so we are pushing the stroller, and it hits the lip of the door out there, it's a pretty good lip, and, and her car seat wasn't locked into the stroller, <laughs> and it like rolls, it rolls out, and I've got the security footage, it's, it's great, thank you both, and, uh, and everybody's freaking out, the lady at the door's like, I'm so sorry, I'm like, you didn't do anything, I didn't buckle her in, you know, she was fine, but she did wake up, okay, <laughs> you know, th there's some things in your life that are going to make you feel a little bit awkward, 
Usually when you step out in faith to what God is calling you to do, it's going to feel a little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable. I want you to write this down. I was created to do hard things. Very simple. But man, it's a good thing to remind yourself. I was created to do hard things. This is a family motto that you can live by. When Zane is having a hard time, my son, and, and I just, I want to be able to grab him by the shoulders and say, son, you were created to do hard things. You were created to do hard things. Our, our calling and where God is leading us is not always going to be easy. Maybe God is leading you to get baptized, go in public with your faith. Maybe God is leading you to, to lead in your home or, or, or to do something bold in the business field that you're in. Maybe God is wanting you to take another job and, and take a pay cut to do something that you actually feel called to do. Maybe you're in this place and, and, and your marriage is on the rocks and, and it's like, man, I don't know if we can figure this out. Like maybe God is saying, hey, let's work on that. Like it's going to be hard, but we were created to what? To do hard things. And so what is that thing that may not be comfortable, but God is leading you to? This is what I know is that your calling is probably right outside of your comfort zone. The thing that God is nudging you to do. I was up here praying last night. And I didn't know how to turn the lights on. And they kind of like turn on as you walk in. It's really amazing. I thought someone else was here. And I was like, hello. You know, it was just me. And I'm walking around. I'm just praying for you guys. And, and this is the thing I kept feeling is that there's some people that are going to walk into church today. And God is going to breathe life into things that you thought were dead on the inside of you. There's some dreams. There's some things that you used to be passionate about. There's some things that maybe God spoke to you as a kid and showed you that you would do in your life. And I believe in faith that today he's going to breathe life on those things. And that they would come back to life and you would be excited about what God is doing in your life. But this is what we know is it's not always comfortable to say no to our flesh. It's not always comfortable. Maybe you're in school to say no to the party or what all of your friends are doing. Or as a parent, it's not always comfortable when you're at your job and everybody is gossiping. And you feel like this temptation to kind of, kind of participate, but you step out because it, it may not be comfortable, but it's always right. And so I, I just want to tell you all through the Bible, there's people, you got David. God called him to slay Goliath. He, he had three armpit hairs and a slingshot. Like this, David was like scared, okay? And God was saying, you're going to slay this giant with a rock. And he's like, but what did he do? He stepped out in faith and God provided You've got Shad, Mish, and Abednego, okay? Like, these guys were not called to go, like, step into a candle. They went into a fiery furnace. And not only were they not burned, but they came out, and everybody's like, hey, who's the fourth guy with? The there was only three when they went in. There's four coming out, and they're like, oh, that guy looks like Jesus. God is with you, then who, who could be against you? All through the Bible, you've got uh, Daniel in the lion's den. Y'all, Daniel was not going to PetSmart to pet a kitty cat. Like, he had to slay, he had to shut the mouth of a lion. Okay, like, you, you've got all of these guys in Scripture. Abraham, another guy. Hey, go to the top of that mountain and kill your son. I'd be like, what? But God provided another way out. And on that mountain, they, they named that mountain, the Lord your God shall provide. You've got Jesus. This is my favorite example of getting uncomfortable. Right before he's about to go to the cross and die for the sins of humanity, he, he's talking to his father in heaven. And this is what he says, is there any other way? And the Lord says, this is the only way. 
If there's any other way, would you take this cup from me? This is the only way, and he goes and he dies for you and he dies for me. I would say he got a little uncomfortable. And even in the last words on the cross, he was still forgiving people and he was still loving people and he was still showing grace to people. As a kid, we played, up, we played with this, this toy called a Stretch Armstrong. Anybody know what that is? Okay, they need to bring those back, all right? We had these Stretch Armstrongs and me and my brother would just take the arms and we would just take off running. We've ruined so many of them because if you stretch them too far, it really does mess them up. And uh, this is what I know about being a believer is just like Stretch Armstrong, if, if he doesn't get stretched, he doesn't grow. And it's the same thing for you and I. But this is what happens is we start to get stretched in our life and we're like, God, can you please take this away from me? This tension, I feel this pressure. I'm a little uncomfortable. God, will you take this? What if he's saying this is the very thing I'm using to develop you into who you're called to be? I wonder what it would look like if we said today, God, you can stretch me. And I'm going to step out in faith to be used by you. The second thing I wrote down is this. There is always a boat going the opposite direction. Would you all agree with that? Like, it seems like every time we try to do the right thing in life, there's always an opportunity to what? Do the wrong thing. (laughs) And it's like it's always right there. There's always a boat going the opposite direction. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish, went down to Joppa, and he hopped on a boat, and, and he was fleeing from the Lord, and then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid, and they cried out to their own God, and then they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I want to pause here. These guys were trying to throw cargo into the sea to make the boat lighter so that it wouldn't sink as fast. Y'all, there was nothing wrong with the cargo. There was nothing wrong with the boat. There was something wrong with the guy that was on the boat that wasn't supposed to be on the boat, and his name is Jonah. And he just so happened to be beneath the deck. Another way that I would say it is he was beneath the surface. I want to ask you a question. When I read this, I was thinking, how often in our life do we just address what's on the surface? Well, if I could just get through this, let's throw some cargo. If I could just get through this heart, if we could just get through Thanksgiving, anybody? Like, we got to be around that uncle or whoever the person. Like, if I could just get through this and we address the surface. What I've learned in following Jesus is that he doesn't want us just to address the surface. He wants us to get beneath the surface. And there's something powerful that happens when you allow God to get beneath the surface. This is what it looked like for me. He gets beneath the surface and he begins to change who you are. It said, but Jonah had gone be- below the deck and he-, he had laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. I want to ask you a question. Is there something in your life that's beneath the surface that is off limits to God? Maybe you have locked it away and it's like, I'll give him everything in my life but this thing. I'll, I'll talk in my, my life group and in my friends that love Jesus. I'll talk to them about everything but this thing. Can I tell you this boldly? That one thing may be the very thing that God wants to use in your life to make a kingdom impact. I, I was dreaming a little bit last night what it would look like if we took that thing and we allowed Jesus to get beneath the surface and change us. Those things actually become a banner for your life. This is who I used to be, but I no longer have to be because of Jesus. 
Man, I used to be jacked up. I'm still pretty jacked up, but I used to be really jacked up, okay? Like, I, I used to steal. I used to take things that didn't belong to me, and, and this is the reality is I'm no longer held down by it. I once was a liar. I would stretch the truth, but now I'm defined by the truth of God's grace and his love and his word. I once was in unhealthy, bad relationships, but now God has brought to me my wife whom I love so much, and I'm not deserving of her. Like, I, I once was, but what? I no longer have to be because what? Jesus got beneath the surface. So what would it look like in this room if everybody allowed Jesus to get beneath the surface? I, I know this in our life. This is what it looks like. It, it's compromise or it's integrity. It's, it's hey, we're, we're going to get a divorce. Some of my best friends right now are going through this. We're, we're going to get a divorce or we're going to work on this marriage. We're going we're gonna to fight. Why? Because we do hard things. We're going to party or we're going to have purpose. We're, we're going to stay abstinent or, or, or we're going to be impure. We're going to live and, and, and do whatever my flesh tells me is right or we're going to live by the truth of God's word. I'm going to do whatever feels right or I'm going to do what God says is right. Forgive or be bitter. There's always a boat going the opposite direction and this is the reality in a room with this many people is at some point you think this, I've gone way too far to be used by God. Has anybody ever said, I've said it. God, there's no way you could use somebody like me. Can I tell you that you're in the exact perfect place for God to show up and do a miracle in your life? Some of you, you may have walked in this room today and you're like, if they even knew what was going on, here's the deal. I don't know what's going on. I would love to know what's going on so I could pray with you and believe with you for what God wants to do. But God knows exactly what's going on. And he says, I still love you but I'm calling you to something greater. I love that he meets us where we're at, but he calls us to something so much bigger than ourselves. So what would it look like if we let him beneath the surface? I know this about Jonah. His story tells us you cannot outrun the grace of God on your life. And maybe you've tried. How's it going? <laughs> I can tell you how it went for me. I wasted a lot of time. I wasted a lot of money. I burnt a lot of bridges. I wasted a lot of relationships. And here we are, and we have said yes to the scariest thing we've ever done in our life, moving to Fayetteville. But how many want to know, I believe it will be worth it. I believe it will be worth it. I, I believe that God is going to use our yes so that other people can experience God and it could lead to their yes. So this is what it looks like for you. Maybe it's very simple. And God is leading you just to, to pray over dinner. Man, I'm not talking about these crazy big things. Your, your Nineveh could be just taking one step. This is what I love about the church and what I love about God calling broken people, which is all of us, we're all jacked up, is he's just asking you to take a step. And here's the deal. Garrett's step looks different than Mark's step. My step looks way different than, than your step, and your step will look different than your spouse's step. Everyone take a step and let God use your life. I love this psalm. It says this, Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. This is good news for somebody in this room that you feel like God is not with you. Here's the deal. Every time in my life that I felt like God is distant and he's not with me, that he's not for me, that he's against me, this is what I remember. The only person that moved was me. And this happens all the time. 
so I want to encourage you. This is all, when the Bible talks about repent, this is what it is. It means I, I turn. I turn. Y'all, Jonah, Jonah turned and God provided a modern day Uber to take him back to where he was supposed to go. Because how many of you want to know when God says, I, I want to do something in your life, he's going to find a way to do it. We told God we're not selling our house till February. Somebody literally bought our house the other day in five minutes. We didn't plan on selling it until later. Like we didn't plan on moving here until February. I, we were scared. We were trying to delay this whole thing. Did y'all know that delayed obedience is disobedience? Just because you put off today what you could do right now, you could put it off till tomorrow. God is saying, let's step into it right now. Let's step into it today. Maybe you're in your environment, the place you find yourself is your Tarshish. Maybe you find yourself in a place of personal weakness, expecting the presence of God to show up and God saying, hey, I, you were never meant to be in that environment. I remember when I, I first got saved and I was trying to get out of the party scene and I, I was trying to do the right thing and it was very clear. God said, you, you gotta get yourself in a good environment. Let, let, me, let me pose this to you. Why do you think it's so hard to come to church? It's so hard to come serve. It's so hard to join a life group because the enemy knows if he could keep you in the wrong environment long enough that he could control your life. But if you could get around some people that are bold and full of faith, that's why I hope some of y'all take me up on our phone number and you text us. Man, I'm trying to get some people around us that are believers some people that are full of God's spirit, some people that say, I'm not raising just an average family, I'm gonna raise kids that love Jesus. Y'all, the, the world is getting crazy. Would y'all agree? Just, just look at Facebook. It's getting crazy. Today is the day to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm changing my environment. I'm turning from Tarshish. I'm not camping out at Joppa. I'm gonna go to Nineveh. What is your Nineveh? Maybe for you, your Tarshish is your friends. And some of y'all, maybe you are so on fire for the things of God, but you are around people Monday through Friday that just, maybe it's not the best environment for you. This is what I know is true, is that if, if you don't know where you're going, your friends, your closest friends will take you where they're headed. I remember when I started changing some of my friends, God asked me, it was, it was this gentle nudge to stop playing baseball in college and start a Bible study, Garrett, you remember? Nobody showed up for six weeks. I was like, God, are you sure this was right? We just had sunflower seeds and bacon. Like that's the way to get a bunch of guys to your house. And, and I remember nobody showed up for our, our life group. And I just started, like our roommates would leave and I was so embarrassed that nobody would come. I would just mess up the house and make it look like people were there. They'd be like, how was group? It was great, party, you know, it was great. Talked about God. I was praying by myself. <laughs> But how many of you wanna know, it was hard, but it was worth it because when people started showing up, they showed up in the droves. 40 guys, 50 guys in the garage, people started donating couches to us. In the garage, people were backing trucks up, sitting on tailgates, lawn chairs, kids across the street started getting saved. It was weird. I remember a little kid named Preston, 11 years old, was trying to get baptized in my bathtub. I was like, bro, I think I'll go to jail. Like, I, I can't do that. Like Garrett's going to find out. There's no way I'm going to be in big trouble. God wants you to get uncomfortable. Well, what does it mean for you to take a step of faith today? I believe that God will show up and do something crazy. This is, you can take a potato and throw it in boiling water. And what happens? It gets soft. If you get an egg and throw it in the same water, what happens? It gets hard. This isn't a trick, I promise. But if you get coffee and throw it in that same water, it changes its environment. 
Two things are changed by their environment and one thing changes its environment. And I was up here, I was getting kind of crazy last night. I was playing worship on my phone, which I wish it was way louder than me singing because it's not very good, you know. And I was like, what would it look like if New Life Church Fayetteville, we're not potatoes. We're not, y'all didn't know that, that food could preach, but it can. We're not eggs, we're what? We're coffee. We change our environment. We, when we show up to our job, we change our environment. When we show up to the family get together, we change our environment. When we walk through the doors of the church, we bring life to people. What would it look like? I don't wanna be changed by my environment. I wanna change my environment. This is what I believe is, y'all, as a church, we believe in the value of a soul. We believe the church is stronger when everyone serves. We believe in life-giving relationships. We believe that excellence, it honors God and it inspires people. We leave places and people better than we find them. This is what we believe. We believe the word of God is unchanging. It is sacred and this is, y'all, you can build your life on this. It's not a changing fad that's here today and gone tomorrow. This is the word of God. He breathed this, spoke this, and used a bunch of jacked up people to write it down, and we have it today. We could build our life on this. I think it would be crazy if we all took a step today. The last thing I wrote down is we gotta wake up and own it. Turn to the person next to you and say, wake up, okay? <laughs> if someone was asleep, they're probably really scared. <laughs> wake up and own it. I, I've sleptwalked my whole life. Any sleepwalking people in here, sleep talking? Yeah, my boy, okay. I, I sleptwalk growing up. Is the one thing I didn't tell my wife, though, when we got married is that I sleepwalk. And so she, we had a lot of funny things. I'll save those stories for later. But my mom would wake up when I was a kid. She would wake up at like 2 a.m. and I would just be standing at the foot of her bed. Okay, that's how you get punched in the face as a kid. Like, <laughs> and it's totally okay, okay? So kids, don't do that. And I, my, I shared a room with my older brother, Ricky, and uh, he's one of our youth pastors at our Cabot campus. And he, he said he would wake up at like midnight and look over and I would be standing on my bed pointing at the door. Okay, that's y'all, that's like creepy stuff. And he said he would just tuck his head under the covers and be like, not today. <laughs> I had a roommate in college that claims that he sleep eats. Now here's the deal. I'm an expert in sleepwalking. And I know that that's a lie. Okay, like he would, he would, there's a, there's a golden rule in being a roommate in college. And if you've had roommates, you know this, it is this, don't eat my food. Okay, can I get an amen? <laughs> Y'all, I noticed my honey buns were gone. My nutty buddy bars were gone. And I knew it was Dylan. I hope he watches this. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to catch him in the middle of the act. And so. I did a stakeout one night, and, and I, bought, I, had a, I had a pizza that I purposely left, like, in the fridge. It was, like, baked. It's kind of messed up now that I think about it. But he gets up, and he's wandering down the hall late at night. I'm waiting in the living room. Lights are off. Goes in there, grabs that pizza, smacks that thing down on the oven. And, and he starts making some pretty disgusting noises from the kitchen. Barbaric. I mean, and I, I sneak in there. He doesn't see me at first, but he's got two pieces of pizza stuck together, like a pizza sandwich. And... Uh, <laughs> and I'm watching, you know, like when you get caught doing something, but you try to act like you're not caught. You know what I'm talking about? You play it off like you're snooping in presents and stuff. Anyways, Dylan sees me, but he acts like he doesn't see me. So he closes his eyes and he's like, mwah, mwah, mwah. You know? and I'm like, you are not a zombie. What is wrong with you? And so I go over to Dylan and I grab him by the shoulders and I'm like, you are not asleep. <laughs> and he's like, still, he's going with it. He's like, ah, you know. 
And I'm like, you're not asleep. And if you are asleep, you better wake up. And I'm mad at this point. I'm like, you've gone too far, Dylan. <laughs> like, my pizza's gone and my, my trust is gone, okay? This is what I know is true, that if God could come down right now into the church, every church, he, he would grab some people by the shoulders and he would say, hey, this is not the time to sleep. This is not the time to, to sleepwalk in your faith. This is not the time to go through the motions of the church. This is the time I've called you to right now. Let's go to Nineveh. It may be hard, but you were created to what? Do hard things. It, it may be hard. There may be a boat going the opposite direction, but today I'm gonna say, I'm gonna get uncomfortable. I'm gonna step out in faith. I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna let God, this is a dangerous prayer. If you wanna pray something scary, pray this. God, you can do anything you wanna do in my life, but be careful because he'll do it. He's a man of his word. What would it look like if today you said that prayer? God, you can do anything you wanna do in my life. I prayed that prayer and look, here we are. <laughs> I'm kind of like, man, I was, I'm serious, y'all. I was so scared earlier during first service, right when worship ended, my nose was bleeding. That's how nervous I was. Because I told God years ago, I'll do anything but that. And it's exactly what he has us doing. So what does that look like for you? To step out in faith, and be bold, get uncomfortable, and say yes to Nineveh. If you would, go ahead and stand to your feet.